Welcome, everybody. We are ready for a new week, new episode. We got my good friend Alicia here. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this one. You're officially the first female on the show. Yes. Yeah, so you you get the Queen Bee title of first female on the show. Yeah, yes. What's up, Biz? How are you doing this week, man? I am uh, as good as good can be. Good as good can be? Yes. All right, well, let's rock this thing. So for those of you that don't know, Alicia Deering here, she is Chief Media Officer of Stat Financial Group. If you guys saw the earlier episode with Tony Hills, you know what Stat Financial is about. And she is also a big-time influencer. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Alicia. Well, I've, uh, I've been doing influencing for five years. Uh, me being a social media administrator, that was kind of my segue to get in there and to find out how to monetize it. And that's pretty, pretty much it um, for the influencing. I've you know, had the pleasure of working um, with big brands, History Channel, Google, um, and more. So it's been a blessing to be an, an influencer. And with social media, it's truly my passion. And I think it's a part of my mission to uh, educate business professionals on having a social media page that is, I would say, that's flourishing. Because a lot of business owners, they really don't have the tools or the knowledge for social media. But also, I am a, the chief media officer at STAT with Tony Hills, the executive assistant. So I've been definitely learning, learning more about finances. Um, I've always had, uh, I don't know, a desire to kind of teach people my ways of, as far as being an influencer because I buy a lot of clothes. I have to buy a lot of things. But in going into the financial part, a lot of people they really don't even have the tools or know like, okay, about appreciation, depreciation. So I've been really learning how to uh, educate people on the financial part, working with staff. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. I mean, we knew you were going to come decked out today. My wife like made me change outfits like three times before <laughs> I came on the show with you this week. She's like, first of all, you let Ken Hamlin really show you up. You can't let Alicia show you up too. Like I know Alicia's going to come dressed out. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I, I can't do my typical t-shirt and jeans or t-shirt and shorts this week. She was giving me the business before I left the house tonight. So yeah, you, you definitely st- set that standard everywhere you go. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. I mean, even with you saying that, um, as for me, and I feel for others, image is very important. And just for anyone in general, but if you have a business, you always have to market yourself. And I tell people a lot that even if we don't speak, we're walking billboards. Yeah. So you're marketing yourself. So your image always have to be on point. So I always say you can have the skills, you can have the knowledge, but everything must match if you want people to come to your business, you know, to work with you. And I always, I said, um, 
the image is not the is not the maybe not your point your physical image but it is still a part of you closing any type of deal yeah whatever that is i mean i know how tony feels now because i mean i remember when tony did the show with us a while back and you had him out back you pulled out like half his wardrobe i think out of the back of the car oh, you yeah. had him in the parking lot changing jackets <laughs> and shirts and i was like Man, we're just going to sit down on the podcast, smoke a cigar, and hang out and talk. And you're like, nope, nope, this is not how this is going to go. And I was kind of laughing at the time, but it definitely is definitely someone I think people need to pay attention to. And that's, that's one of the reasons I was really excited to bring you on the show um, after we got to meet. And I knew what you did and what you're about. And I've got to see you work with Tony and all that you do, especially at a lot of the events. Because even me with the podcast, as this has grown... Like, you think you know about social media, and then you dive off in something like starting your own podcast, or, you know, you start a new business, and you find out real quickly, there's a reason people have, like, an entire degree in social media, Mm -hmm. and what that does, and I didn't realize how involved all that was right out the gate. It's something I've had to adapt, and learn, and bring other people in that are way more knowledgeable than me to help with all of that because I I really had no clue. I I thought I kind of understood social media and it was making some posts, doing this, get my website built Mm -hmm. and all that, but it's so much more. So as you know, with Common Sense, the podcast, what we like to do is really tell people your story and, you know, where you started out, you know, is this what you got your degree in in college or did you just find your passion along the way and what, we, what we're going to do over the course of this show is really talk about okay. where you started mm-hmm. and, some of, and especially some of the pitfalls you had and then the successes as well because we want them to be able to relate and see these things and yes. see where they can apply a lot of this to, the, to their own business, venture, or personal life. Mm-hmm. I know there's got to be a lot of people that are really into this and want to see what all an influencer does and what that role and day-to-day looks like because the women and a lot of other things have been clicking your posts and stuff all week long. <laughs> so I know they're excited to hear your story. So is let's back up to like college. I mean, is this the path you knew you were going to go down or how, how did we start down this path this before is de- Tony? <laughs> this is <laughs> pre-Tony. So this is definitely not the path, um, the path that um, I expected. I tell people all the time, I have four degrees and none of them are specifically marketing. I've taken a lot of marketing classes and that helped. When I started influencing, I was actually working in corporate and I was doing really well, but uh, I was led to leave and also dealing, before that I was in the military and so in injuries, and so I would be on Facebook. What branch? Army. All right. Go Ar- yes, go Army. Uh, Ar- I Army strong. I get some of these people fired up yes. in here now. <laughs> just me. Sorry. Bring it up, baby. Bring it up. The comments are about to start I, flowing I, on that. I don't mind whatever. So, uh, okay, here we go. go I'm trying. I'm, I got to stay looking cool. All right, you're okay. good. Okay, so I had some uh, some injuries, and then I started on Facebook. I would make 
posts about different products and it was a family member said hey Alicia you should try vlogging or blogging and me I'm a researcher by nature and I was like if I'm gonna do this I need to find out how to monetize it and when I first started influencing and I gotta say I do influences not a hobby <laughs> it's it's full-time and I didn't have no one to really teach me so people kind of withheld that knowledge and I finally, I got a mentor, uh, Kate Cole, and she manages some of the Real Housewives of New Jersey, New York, big clients, and she gave me some tips when she did a evaluation on my IG. And from there, I just researching, finding out ways to perfect, um, being an influencer. When I first started, I didn't work with big brands. I didn't get a lot of free products, starting off a lot of times as an influencer they will send you things and say, oh, you're gonna pay a percentage. So it wasn't about until I got around 50,000 followers that I started working with the big known brands. And it's been a, you know, been a blessing. I've worked with L'Oreal Paris uh, a few times, Walmart, Neutrogena. So all of it is based too, uh, from them looking at my social media presence and also looking at my content. So a lot of brands, if you don't have a, a strong following, if you don't have great content, they don't want to work with you. And so that's pretty much it, just growing. Um, my last account was hacked. I had almost 100,000 followers on IG. Uh, my backup account now, it, I'm pretty much at 50, almost 57, and that's um, just with IG alone. I am on all platforms. But influencing is work. It's, it's a lot of work because when you look at the content, the pictures, the videos, there's almost two, sometimes 200 shots just to get one great shot. You have to stage, stage certain products and things to look natural, but it's still staged. So there's a lot going in, into influencing, uh, a lot of money. I've spent a lot of money uh, <laughs> starting up, of course. Yeah, <laughs> editing and all that stuff alone yes. is like absolutely outrageous. I mean, we were just having to talk about that before you got here because I'm realizing with YouTube and some of those, my podcast isn't exactly YouTube friendly because it's a long format. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these, everything is hidden in the big subscribers is on short format mm -hmm. and they want the instant reels. They want that one minute clip. They want that two minute clip and that five minute clip and going back through two hours of video <laughs> from each podcast. Holy right. smokes. That is like a job in and of itself. Like me and biz were just talking about how to, how to manage that and make that happen. I mean, do you do all of that yourself or do you have a team now or no, how does that work for you? I, I do all the editing. And um, part of two, what I do is photography. So I know how to professionally edit videos and content. And that's a good thing. With me, I know how to do all aspects of social media. Because of course, with social media, you have to do hashtag research. And there are some people just get paid alone just to do hashtag research. And typically, when brands have found me, a lot of them have found me from my hashtags. So I don't go Google. Hashtags, I go straight to whatever platform I'm, I'm on and to find out what are the top hashtags that'll bring people to my, to my page, to my post. And that's how a lot of people find me. So definitely hashtags are still um, crucial, but editing, and because as you know from different platforms, Facebook, they keep changing the, the time limit with the stories. I don't know, with the uh, reels, IG, the same thing. 
stories, reels, the time uh, it that you have is still cut and it, it constantly changes. And so you have to go in and edit certain pieces of a video just to fit on each platform. But I do that myself and also with the pictures, which is time consuming. It's very <laughs> time consuming. Yes. At least you're just doing pictures. I got to go back and listen to myself talk for two hours <laughs> and write down timestamps to go in and edit stuff. That is brutal. So I have a question. Especially the early videos. Have you seen now that um, hashtags? Remember when IG was, everybody's picking on, you had to have a million hashtags. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was reading not so long ago. Now they're not looking for to have so many hashtags. It's more of recognizable words, SEO type words. Mm -hmm. So instead of having 24 hashtags, it's better to have six recognizable words as a hashtag mm -hmm. but have you noticed that in the algorithms so like what's been your journey with trying to maneuver through the way that social media platforms keep switching up the algorithm on you like that's work within itself mm -hmm. figuring out what is recognized and what's not anymore i definitely would say hashtags are still relevant especially on ig of course ig I recommend to everyone still use 30. LinkedIn is different. You you only use a few hashtags, LinkedIn and Twitter. Facebook, I still use 30 on Facebook um, because that's still how a lot of people find you know find you. If you if you search, put your, your name in these certain hashtags, it's, it's gonna come up. So hashtags is still relevant, it's just using the right hashtag. So right. some people make up theirs or just say, um, you know, I'm the greatest or whatever their whatever She's their talking about me, you guys. <laughs> like that I just hashtag common sense and Garrett and the podcast and the guests. She's been clowning on me right now. Or educating me, however you want to look at it. Yeah, so you want so your whatever your brand is, I always do the hashtag the Hulk Christian, which is which is my brand. But the remainder the remainder of the hashtags I um I use I use 30 and I have different hashtags for different things. So whatever I'm content I'm dealing with, I have different notes and I just have hashtags and I label them. So I know like, okay, if it's dealing with finance, if it's dealing with fashion, if it's dealing with this, then go, business, then go to my notes and then I copy those hashtags. So they to your hashtags have to be relevant to the con to the content that you're posting. So how often do you switch up your hashtags? Is this something you keep the same core ones that you're for these categories? How often would you say you're switching or altering those hashtags for those categories? Do they stick around for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a month? How long do you keep with that before you really start altering them? It just depends on the post because, to be honest, I, I use different hashtags every time I post. So it's not like I go to that same group and use that same group of hashtags. Like I said, it's, it depends on what, what I'm posting. And then I mix it up, and then I'll go back and I'll, <clears throat> I'll go back and research and say, okay, what are some new hashtags? Which some new ones came out with digital influencer, digital creator. Those are new ones, but they still have millions of people following that hashtag now when i first started influencing that that was not a hashtag that was relevant so now having the hashtag digital creator digital influencer it's a high relevant hashtag 
Okay. I'm going to have to take notes on this episode <laughs> afterwards. I can already tell. Do you have anybody that you uh, look, I don't say look to. So who do you, the hot influencers right now that are like killing it? There's somebody that you always check their page out, kind of follow them, see how they're doing things. Like me, I like Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk always kills it, you know, and he's, he's kind of the pioneer of all of this, you know, to be honest, but is there anybody in particular that you like to kind of follow and check out their style of what they do? Uh, actually I don't because I, I know as an influencer, I'm, I'm different and I really haven't checked out most of his, um, his content, but everyone, your, your content is going to be different. And I tell people I'm a real influencer. A lot of, just say, Beyonce or, you know, any, any celebrity, people look at them as influencers, but I don't consider them real influencers. Real influencers are someone like me. You set up, you stage, you, you're putting together everything, the money, the time, and there's a lot of time in, into it. And one thing I find out, if you go in and you're looking and you're comparing yourself, you're going to try to mold yourself to those people. So my thing is, my I'm creatively diverse. So everyone has to find their own creativity, their niche. And when you do that, you don't you really don't have to look at people. So it's not that I, I do see some people come uh, content and I was just like, hey, that's nice. The image is sharp, but I don't follow anyone. I just just you know focus on I literally me. am listening to an audiobook that Gary Vee just put out <laughs> like as we're speaking like I'm listening to that this week and he literally said pretty much the same thing she just said where he feels like it would take away from his creativity and it would hinder him more not that he doesn't follow to see what his followers are clicking on and paying attention to and the keywords and stuff like that but he doesn't follow other influencers or he doesn't do that because he feels like it would stunt his creativity and prevent him from putting something fresh and new out. Yes, because to, to me also, you're, it's not that you're trying to compete or trying to model after someone, but when, to me, when you do that, that's going to make you feel like, okay, I have to be at this person's standard. I have to do, you know, something else to to be like this certain influencer or this celebrity. But, and I can say from from personal, that's why a lot of brands choose me because I I am different and I stay um, authentic to who I am. So if I look at someone else, I'm going to be trying to be them or trying to um, mock what they're doing. But if I stay in my lane, then I just need to perfect what I'm doing. And that will make me prosperous as being an influencer. I have to say, I totally get that and agree. Cause as a photographer, when I first started, I was so busy looking at everybody else's stuff yep. and comparing it. And then my lane, my style is what it is. And when people started coming to me because of my look or my style, you do realize and discover that, well, you're here because I'm different. I'm me. Yeah. And when you stick to it, so I guess, yeah, you're, you're, you are correct. You have to be who you are to be who you are. Right. That's what makes you stand out. Yes. How much do you bounce between and how do you decide whether you're going to use video or photo or something else that you just created? I use, I typically do, um, 
all the above. It just it just depends on where I'm at. I know with video content, I really like to um, use video content because a lot of people they want to see you. They want yeah. to see how you interact and. What I find when you use videos, whether no matter what you're doing, you get more um, engagement when you use videos. Because people, they, they want to see you. So they want, they, I mean, looking at a picture, they really can't tell, you know, who you are, what you are. But when you do videos and stories or reels or whatever, they get to see you. And those usually have the highest engagement. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's something you thought was the right way to do it? but you learned very quickly was the wrong way, or maybe it was not completely wrong, but it was a lesson on how that opened a door to looking at something a different way when it comes to what you do. Um, I would, to me, I would say, um, look into other people, reaching out to other people. Um, in the beginning, I did, you know, think that, you know, like, okay, I gotta have, certain things this way on IG, I gotta have my highlights, this person has it. And I, when I totally focused on myself, my my brand, uh, what I was creating as an influencer, then I really began to do well. And because to me, whatever you do, you really have to research and know what you're doing. You cannot look to someone to just give you, you know, take their word for value. So I pretty much, I learned like to research, not to go to other people. I mean, sometimes I, I've asked, but I only have, I've only had one mentor as far, as far as social media. Okay. So do does that just change from each platform then? Like you have to do your research just on that platform or for that platform, or are you... I mean, are you Googling or how, how are you, I mean, is there a book? Is there something that you felt like really taught you a lot, like other than just trial and error or is it just trial and error on each platform? And then like, I assume it's just seeing what others are doing that are working, but you don't really follow others. So are you just following like the trends pages or how would someone educate themselves a little more on that? Like, you know, I'm obviously on all the platforms, but I'm, I'm not, I'm different than what you're doing because yeah. I'm doing just a podcast, mm-hmm. but yet I've got to promote that. But so, I mean, like we put the guest photos out on Instagram. So mm-hmm. I do use photos mm-hmm. that goes out on Instagram. We promote the show same way. Mm-hmm. Facebook's live, YouTube's live. And then after the show's done, the recorded version goes out onto all the other major podcast platforms. So should I be doing research on each one of those platforms or is there a certain way you would recommend going about that? Well, I would say for someone who doesn't know to, to do your research, me, I know how to, to cater on each piece of content to each platform because of course it's different. And IG is of course the number one ranked, then it's TikTok, uh, YouTube. No, it's TikTok, then Facebook, uh, YouTube, and of course t- Twitter's last. I'm also on Pinterest. I mean, that's one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. But of course, um, IG is is the top one. It's the most um, prevalent one, and that's too even for 
brands, big or small. IG is the top plat is the top platform, so that's where I do most of the research. And to be honest, I've never worried about the algorithm. So I, I know certain times when you can post content where most people are seeing it. So it's like when people are on their way to work or when people are getting off work, but still you have people at home. So when you really look at the algorithm, if you focus on the algorithm, to me, I feel like you're gonna lose it because you always have, once again, people out there to look at your content. I've been active and I've probably lost 300 followers in a week. And so I've learned as my account grew not to focus on the numbers, not to focus on the algorithm, just post the content, post the relevant hashtags, and that's pretty much it. Just uh, for example, one of my reels was over 15,000 followers. Then I post another reel that I thought was really great. Then I might maybe get 3,000 or 4,000. So it just, it just depends. And two on my reels, of course, I do use the hashtags that are relevant. Do you do you focus all on the catchy title or putting an overlay of a title subtitle on it at all? Is that like where does that value in in the tiers of you know, obviously you feel hashtags are number one, mm -hmm. and then after that, what would you say are the next important things as far as the content and what um, goes into it? Definitely, um, I would say posting videos for for. Um, People, you have to look at your cover, your cover image. A lot of people just post and they don't pay attention to your cover. And I know myself personally, if you just go to someone's page and you just see just a play, a play thing, you don't see a cover that looks engaging, I'm not gonna click on it. Because you have to have, even if you do a video, you have to choose a cover that looks engaging, that looks um, appealing that will attract people. So a lot of times it's about the clarity, it's about the aesthetics, because the ultimate goal is to basically entice people to click on your page and to look through your, con look through your content. So it has to be, so number one, clarity, um, and knowing how to set up your, your videos. And of course, I do use the, um, the different overlays. I use a lot of text. I do do the most. So, but that is what in, uh, draws people in. So you, I just feel you cannot be basic. You really have to be on your your content and your and your your theme. IG definitely on IG. The other the other platforms. It I don't feel that it matters much. But IG, your profile feed that has to be on point. It has to flow. What are you? What are your feelings about AI now, and and the use of like Chat GPT, and what's the other one, Biz? What's that one you've been playing around with? Oh, what I do with my stuff, uh, yeah. Mid Journey, but that's more mid -journey. for photography. Yeah, I know, creation. but like people are using those as covers now. They're using those to create covers and stuff like that. Have you started playing with that, or what do you feel? How do you feel that's going to affect what you're doing at all? Or do you not think it's going to have any effect? No, I don't think it's going to um, have any effect. I mean, I there's um, one uh, platform that I use that someone uh, recommended. And, I mean, it's pretty much, I guess, part of it is, I guess, is AI because it can set it up in a certain way. Um, whatever text you have, it will, it will caption. Well, it will capture whatever, just like you and I talking 
and we do a small clip, then it would automatically catch, um, capture it and display it in a professional way. So I've, I've tried maybe that platform a couple times, but the majority of the time is, is just me going and editing. So I think certain things, um, you still have to have a hands-on approach and you're still going to end up editing it. <laughs> See, that's interesting to me because, you know, my, my nephews are like little computer gurus and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. I mean, the youngest one was like, programming his own virtual reality games when he was like 16 years old mm -hmm. and they're all telling me like hey we're gonna hook you up with this guy overseas you pay him in bitcoin he'll sit here and go through and edit your stuff you just gotta make sure it's what you want and then he'll put subtitles and all that on so i've been looking at that too but i my biggest fear is kind of like what you're saying is is it gonna lose the touch and feel of what i want it to be because mm -hmm. i'm not the one sitting there chopping it up but then i'm also going this is just a hobby that's turning into <laughs> something you know this isn't my full-time job mm -hmm. how do i find time to sit and go through all this and do this so that's a big debate that we've been having a lot lately yes i definitely know um dealing with content like i said i i do take pictures too um i tell tell people um i did go back to school to work on my fifth degree last year for photography because I have a Canon. So I wanted to see how to be proficient using this camera that I paid all this money for and learning from, from my professors um, who work with, you know, New York Times, D Magazine, the top people. Um, they shoot very well, but they still send their, because they're busy, they send their content to a healer or person some people call them touch up and to edit their uh, their content because what it, just like I said whatever content you take you still have to edit it if you want a great professional um, look but even still to say even with my professor the person that she was sending all her content to she knows that person yeah. and it's not someone that you don't know and for me I still like to keep that that hands-on approach. And I think it's good to outsource certain things to people, you know, to in the two to other countries, but certain things I feel that you have to keep in-house so you can have your your touch, your feel because they don't they don't know you. So if yeah. they know if a person knows you, then they know like okay, this is a highlighted point in Garrett's video for me to chop up and put on there. But if they don't know you that well and they're not watching your stuff, they're not going to really know what part is really going to catch the essence of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or what your, what your people are actually really tuning into view mm -hmm. and getting that, those moments, those, those key, key segments, yes. I guess you'd say. Yes. Is there any tips or certain platforms or certain tools of the trade that you would recommend especially for somebody starting out that to, to play around with or to learn or to spend time to really get to learn i would say i mean of course the hashtags and find um have different groups of hashtags to use that are relevant and i would definitely recommend for for the people to go to each platform to find out which ones so instead of Googling it, I would say go go to IG, click, put the hashtags in that are relevant to your content and see how many are following that post, which ones are the top hashtags. Because the same ones, if you Google, they're going to tell you the same ones. 
but they actually change. And uh, something else that I would say is to, my thing is if you don't, if you don't have the time and you really don't know anything about social media, I recommend people to find, to find someone because I do a lot of social media consults and a lot of them is that the content is not quality content. You can take quality content with your cell phone because I do it all the time, not with the Canon, but you have to be, to me, certain things you have to be coached if you don't know about social media or if you're a business, um, a brand, entrepreneur, you want to get someone that actually knows what they're, you know, what they're doing. And me, I don't use any presets for my posts. I can just aesthetically Thank go. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've been holding that in over Really? Here. Yes. Everybody thinks you just grab a preset or an overlay and it's magic. I use mm. none. Everything you see me edit, I adjust everything myself. I have a look, but I... Every lighting situation, everything is going to be different, but all my photos will have my distinct to it because a preset does not solve everything. No. It doesn't. And this is no bullshit either. Like, (laughs) I mean, for those of you that don't know and you don't get to see all the background stuff that goes on, she puts a tremendous, I mean, not just what we're talking about, but a tremendous amount of work into capturing this stuff, whether it is her or Tony sitting in the corner capturing stuff for her. She's even got her own photographer here that is taking stuff to Shout capture out. moments. Shout out to Otis. Like, right now, while y'all are watching this. Yes. So, I mean, this is a real all-day, everyday thing for her. Like, she, you can't, like, half-ass what she's doing. So, if you guys go check her pages and stuff like that, and you're interested, I highly suggest you hit her up. She's super accessible, super friendly, as you can see, and she's always willing to help people. <laughs> so but I have a question. Mm-hmm. As a fellow creative, do you ever turn it off? Did you ever, like, for me, it's hard to not, I try my best to, mm-hmm. like, stop, play PlayStation, do something, <laughs> and I end up with an idea, and I grab an iPad or my notebook, and I start designing something or looking at something, but... If you do, you turn it off, and if you do, what do you do that's not related to what you do? Is it a thing? I can't wait to hear this. It is hard for me to turn it off because I've always been into uh, photography. So everywhere I'm going, I'm just like, that's a good place to shoot. You see that's, everything visually, right? No matter I'm, what, I'm it's, a, it's a composition. I've yes. watched her do this at like some of the stat events and stuff like that. She'll literally yank Tony or one of the people, and they're like. We got to go over here right now, and this is the spot. This is what has to happen. Like, mm-hmm. she has a knack for that, and she's doing that all the time. But if you have free time, when you have no responsibilities, nothing in your brain, what do you do with it? Mm. Look at that. She can't even come I, up with nothing because she <laughs> no, doesn't. No, when you're I, not influencing. I, when I'm not influencing, oh, goodness. I, well, I don't do it all the time. I mean, I love music. I say my life's a music uh, musical. I love listening to music. I love um, watching um, live bands when the time permits. But You're in the time- right place. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. You're in the right place. Really? So when the time permits, if I'm not too tired or, you know, I have the time, I will, you know, go listen to um, music. But I constantly listen to music. So to me, that's my therapy, my downtime when I'm not really thinking about content 
or influencing. But like you said, I'm constantly, I can be sitting down and I can think about an idea. Um, Otis, any other photographers I collab with, I'll just, I'll, I message Otis all the time and I'm like, I got an idea. I got an idea and this was, this was on my head. What do you think about this? Because I'm very creative. So I'm constantly thinking about, okay, what's another concept? What, what can I do that's, that's different than everyone else? So I'm constantly looking at places. I'm like, oh, that's some good colors. That's a place. So yeah, it's very hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I didn't have something wrong with me. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot not, wrong with you, bitch, but we don't got enough time left in this show for that. In, in that aspect. <laughs> so is there anything else you do for fun? Like, I mean, what, she what's She just the, told you. That no, was it. No, I'm not buying this. I'm not buying this. Fun. No, I want to know when she shuts it, really shuts it off. Like, what, what is the hobby? Like, what's something you take joy in that nobody else would know that you do? Like, some, something Alicia that I'm... Hmm. Tony, Tony over here yeah. telling us. Tony's telling us. the corner. Tony's telling yeah, us. Yeah, Eden, I am a foodie, so I like okay. I like to go to uh, nice restaurants. I am a foodie, and um, I'm a harsh food critic because I know how to cook. So besides that, I don't I don't think I'm a boring person because I'm out and I'm a lot of at a lot of events around a lot of people. I like to draw myself in, and typically one of my rituals on Friday or Saturday. I go to I go get me uh, one or two cupcakes, and then I'm Netflix, Amazon Prime. I yeah. burn the candle. I like to withdraw from people and just have that that downtime. All right, at, at what home. show are you on right now? What are you watching? What are you binge watching right now? Um, so I like a lot of crime shows. So I just uh, finished uh, FBI's Most Wanted. Um, what's the other one I was watching? Uh, Have you watched Nightline yet on Netflix? No, I haven't watched it. That one's yet. pretty good. We just finished that one. Nightline, like the Nightline I that think comes like, on I ABC. I think it's Nightline. It's it's like Jason Bourne, FBI, Secret Service, and the guy picks up this Nightline. It's like for like a special department. It's like calling the Navy SEALs kind of. Oh, like thing. I thought you meant like the sixty minutes type. Yeah, show. that's what I was thinking. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's what I said on Netflix. It's like okay. it might not be Nightline. It's night. It's, you got two uh, cool points sure back. <laughs> Because I was about to take all your shit. Like, I know, because I'm, I'm thinking like, like, I'm thinking about the show Nightline. Yeah, like, like Ted Koppel? Exactly. On, That's man. the first thing I thought about was like Ted So it's an actual old, show. Yeah, I am old, but you damn, old. I don't watch Nightline. <laughs> no, like, I feel like I'm having a flashback to you and AJ in here <laughs> telling me all the stuff I needed to go watch. Yeah, Everybody we been watching old Cosby <laughs> stuff and everything else. Hey, <laughs> old school, you learn a lot. Right, Just right. Just saying. Hey, I watched like four episodes of Fat Albert today. Really? I mean, I learned on who some humbug. Like I was like, I wonder if that got just on YouTube, and it was there. I couldn't stop watching. Really? I learned where Biggie Smalls came from. I mean, I, oh yeah, I Biggie so, Smalls is just a rapper. I don't know. Tony even know what about. So there's old school movies that Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier used to do. Oh, Uptown okay. Saturday Night, all this stuff, and he didn't realize like half the rappers in the industries got their names from characters from these old movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, we gave him a cinematic education that episode. Yeah, I went home for a whole weekend and sat on my patio <laughs> watching all these old-ass movies. Then he said, Pissed wasn't off even that funny. they weren't free on Netflix or any of the other 9,000 subscriptions I had. And I'm sitting there buying them. I'm like, all right, I owe y'all one for that one. Y'all owe me my money back on a couple of those y'all had me watching. They weren't even funny. They weren't comedies. It wasn't an Eddie Murphy thing. Well, it that's was... how y'all sold a oh, couple Eddie of those. Oh, Eddie Murphy, when he first did Saturday Night Live with that red leather jacket on. 
Man, uh, Eddie Murphy uh, and anything, Murphy any of raw. his stand-ups, I don't know how he did him because he had to be 9,000 degrees. Every time he come out, like, you have on all leather. Yep. And those weren't the LEDs. <laughs> those are old-fashioned lights. I'm like, he's going to blow up in any minute. Just catch on fire on stage. Yep, because it but, wasn't pleasant. It was that real leather back then. But think about it. Could Eddie Murphy raw or delirious, could that act not changing a thing be done now on stage? No. I don't think so. Not even close. Nope. No way. Dave Chappelle pushes the button as cool. close as he can, but think about that. Richard Pryor, that was classic, like, no apology. Yeah. seriously anymore. Yeah, now you, yeah, you can't get away with nothing. But I'm that. surprised because anything goes, but they're definitely the, the best um, comedians. I know I, probably when I was supposed to watch, when I was younger, watching yeah, the old Comic yeah, View yeah. with Bernie Mac. I, uh, you know, love uh, Bernie Mac. So, you know, he's after, you know, Richard Pryor. But to me, he was just an authentic, raw comedian. Um, Bernie Mac, of course, uh, said the entertainer. But I'll say Bernie Mac to me is one of, I guess, one of the old school ones is, you know, one of my favorites. When I used to look at him, I don't even know if it was com- Comic View or whatever, but when he did his stand up. Def Comedy Jam. Def Comedy Jam. Yes. I ain't afraid of you, mother. You know that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's yes, yes. But like, let's relate that to what you do, though. So how much do you have to, when you look at it, so I do a lot of uh, content creation for cigar brands. Mm-hmm. And I know when you're dealing with liquors, cigars, things like that, or just do you have to not censor yourself because you're not doing anything offensive, but for me, I hate reels. I have to do them. <laughs> But I hate doing them because a photo- for me, photos is easy because every photo, I light it, I do all this stuff to make it a masterpiece. Then I got to turn around and make it into a reel. And I'm like, nothing's moving. It's just a cigar and an ashtray. How do I make this a reel? I don't have any people. I don't know what to do. And it's like I get that creative stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, so did you ever run into, it's not writer's block. I call it creative block. Yeah. Um, you know, what is your, what is your, how do you get the juices, the mojo going? If you had these two bottles in front of us with these pennies and you're staring at it, how do you create a campaign behind that? I'm not saying to do that, but mm-hmm. when you look at it, you approach a project, something you have to influence. What are your steps or processes into getting into creating what we see? Where are you pulling your page? inspiration from? Okay. I think is the easier way of saying that. Well, yeah. sometimes if you're being original from it, you don't look at another inspiration. How do you spin this web without looking at another web? Hmm. It's a, I, honestly, it's a blessing. Typically, when I say a brand approached me or someone's talking about social media, my thoughts are automatically, I'm like scanning in my mind, like, okay, how to make this a stage, but how to make it look natural. And to me, it goes back to one of the um, brands I work with, um, Toast Beverage, which is a non-alcoholic um, champagne. And immediately when they reached out to me, I'm like, okay, I, I see a couple making a toast. I see a picnic. And so I, I told Otis, I said, hey, you know, you want to work with me on this, this, this campaign? And I told him, I said, I, I see a picnic. And so I start with one thing, and from there, Bill. it builds. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what she's done with Tony. I mean, Tony, the preacher, man. I mean, he would he'd look like Reggie White, full on preacher yeah. outfit if it wasn't for wasn't for this lady over here. Well, I got to say, I call him Pee Pee Hills. He's he's, um, <laughs> That's so he's good. pastor. 
He's Pastor Professor Hills. That's that's Tony's name. PP Hills. PP. But, but she she <laughs> you she keeps up. she keeps you messed up. PBH. Okay. Hold on. Let me change this number in my phone right now. I gotta read. <laughs> Go change the call ID. Change the call ID so I know when to you. PP Hills. Yeah. So tell us a little more about what you're doing with Stat, because I know I know you've really been evolving with with what you do there and mm-hmm. taking on some new stuff and, and really growing within what you do there. Um, definitely, uh, since I started uh, working with Stat, I've learned a lot about trust and how they're beneficial to not just individuals but um, entrepreneurs. Businesses also um, dealing with insurance policies. Uh, one thing, and I know for me personally, when someone says something about insurance, I automatically think about death. <laughs> but learning, working with that, knowing that um, you know insurance, putting putting your money in policies is not more so um, you're thinking about death. It's something that will benefit benefit you, and also benefit your family. So it's not about just Damn. Yeah, it's Looking a hard, a that's a hard transition. We've had a couple of different financial people on the show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is one of the things that like is the hardest stigmatism for them to get past is that I feel like at least the 80s and prior to that, there was so much snake oil salesman pitches on insurance right. that they sold these policies and stuff to these little old women, you know, our grandmothers right. and stuff like that. And they put all this money into it and then they got nothing. Mm-hmm. And it created this stigmatism to where that's all people can envision. That's all they hear. The minute you say those words, that's straight where they go. Tunnel vision. And the probably the hardest job you, you have at that point is getting them past that. Flipping that conversation and getting them to realize that that same insurance policy, you really could almost be calling it a 401k, which you can't technically call that as a financial person, but that's essentially, I mean, I can say that, but I mean, it's essentially Mm -hmm. you're giving them another avenue that they can utilize to, you know, provide money down the road when times they need it and to be able to pull and, and have these growing investments. It's not just a, stagnant i bought a policy when i die my family gets this to pay for my funeral thing i'm right and i can honestly say when my mom passed it it wasn't much money i mean we had enough to cover it but it wasn't her her policy wasn't great but that was just looking at the death part but um one thing at stat that we um educate people on is becoming their own bank so that's ultimately what you what you want to do, and usually for like I said, for business owners and different people, it also um, reduces your taxes. So there's a lot of beneficial things to a policy. Just a lot of people aren't educated on that. And an example, we had um, a training, and one of the ladies um, said she started a lady off that really thinks she couldn't, um, you know, pay for much for a policy. She did it for her children. And she took that money that she had in the policy, her kids used it to get uh, a car their senior year, but she had started when they were younger. So we look at it, see how much you can put away each month. And so that's pretty much what it's based upon, your, your comfort level, but 
it's very important for everyone to to get a policy and then build that interest, build your money um, within a policy. How much do you pay attention to demographics and like yours specifically? Do you, I know like when I can go in and pull mine now, now that I'm starting to get enough data to do that, do you try to focus just on what's hitting and, and, and maybe you could speak to what yours are? I mean, what, what's, what's your audience demographics really look like? And do you try to just continue to focus on that one, one segment or do you try to go after or be relevant to more than just what you're really resonating with and has that changed as you've become further into this yeah it i mean it all depends i the content when i created or for myself or anyone i mean i don't look at it as catering to women or just catering to men you want to create content that's going to be related to to every race to every gender so that's what you want to make it relevant to mm-hmm. not not one you know not one sex or not not one nationality you just want to be you know what i'm saying be able so people can um, relate and even something to not just over their heads so you want to put something in layman's terms so they're able to understand have you found that to be difficult at times or is that just something you don't even really focus on or has there been times that you've focused on that and maybe you've changed your outlook on that? Because I know just I, I see different people posting about it all the time and they're, you know, they're super concerned with getting this age bracket or this age bracket. And maybe they're hitting on this one and maybe they're spending too much time focusing on just that versus just would your advice be more just to put out content that you enjoy and that is relevant to you and it's keeping it as broad as possible or would you would you focus that at all at any point, depending on how established the person or the business was? Well, I typically don't uh, focus on that. My my main objective when I create create content is creating something that's quality and something that's engaging, and that's for everyone. So, if it's quality and is and if it's engaging the people, they're, they're going to engage with it. So, you know, once again, I feel that when you get caught up in, you know, all the different categories, mm-hmm. then you start, it, you start losing the, um, your, um, your, authentic, um, your authentic um, content based upon you. So I don't think about, like, okay, would I like this? So if I work um, work with someone, and for me it's working with brands, I certain things I have to focus on me, certain things I'm more focusing on the um, the product or whatever I'm I'm, I'm doing. Just to say, a camera bag that I have, I might have me in there, but I'm more focusing um, on the camera bag to get you know for people to look at, and then too is doing the like I said the hashtags. I also I'm constantly preach the hashtags. Okay. And it's so funny because we've we've been told we've had people in here literally said that's not as relevant anymore and that you need to like not to worry about that because at first I was putting them in my show notes and everything and I've I've slacked from that but sounds like I need to get that back into every piece of content. You definitely do, and I remember when uh, TikTok only allows you to put a few hashtags, and now TikTok will actually let you put thirty. And case in point, with the importance of using the hashtags on 
on different platforms. When um, Zales reached out to me, they said, hey, we saw you on TikTok. And it was because of my hashtags. So they're very relevant and, you know, no no shot to anyone. If you haven't been doing it, you haven't did your research about so, social media, you're only going to know certain aspects of it. But all of it is important because, I'm sorry, every, every, if you look at Facebook mainly, everyone wants to be a content creator. And, I, and I, you know, typically I say that's a lie because unless, unless you're editing, unless you're doing the content, unless uh-huh. you're putting things together, you're not a content creator. You just can't throw pictures up and that makes you a content creator. So when you're doing actual work and you're editing, you're taking a picture, you're your creativity when you're putting everything together real content creators it's work and you're not just throwing throwing up and um putting content together and just putting it on social media so people never talk about the strategy that goes into it right that has to be thought about everything that you post everything you do it has to have an end game yes and that's the part that i think everybody like you said it's they think Posting, ooh, here's some macaroni and cheese I ate today. <laughs> Crap, how come you ain't calling me? No, it, it's not that. You actually have, everything that you put up has to have intent. It has to have reason. Intent. Um, focus, that- all that. It's a big deal. But you mentioned the big thing, and they don't, I mean, I think the news just says stuff because they're bored, but the big hoo-ha about TikTok was going to be outlawed or taken oh, away. Yeah, I don't know it. if that's still around or if that's still a thing. And <laughs> if you post on TikTok, China's going to take all your bank information. I don't know. But I don't know if those are things that you kind of got to keep one ear to the street just to make sure it's not messing with anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've seen some of the, the videos about people. I mean, I saw other, I don't know if they're real influencers, and say, oh, this is how I make my money without, you know, TikTok. So I don't focus on one um, platform. IG is the main one. But I don't look at, like, oh, my goodness, like, with TikTok. When I saw it, I, w- I wasn't anxious because I'm just like, that's, that's another platform. But it goes back to TikTok is not the number one platform, even though a lot of people look at um, content there. IG is the number one platform. When you look on IG, all the videos have TikTok signatures on the bottom. Yeah. They're doing on there, but they got to have it on Instagram. Yeah, that's, and that's the thing. And I see, you know, a lot of people put it over. So typically... When I post for myself or someone else, I go to each um, each platform. If I post content on IG or Facebook, I'm taking the original video and I'm putting it on TikTok or LinkedIn. So I don't pretty much carry it over. So it's very few, maybe one or two, that, um, that might say TikTok. And it's probably because I couldn't find the original video. But I really uh, believe that you should go into each uh, platform and post. Because usually most most of them, they have a time limit anyway. And so you have to shorten the content. So then you may recreate the same video multiple times for each platform? Or do you just chop it down and edit it for each platform? Yeah, I have to um, edit it for some some content if it's longer. And then I have, I'll edit it to, okay, the highlighted points. Yeah. And then that's what I'll put on IG since they went down to a minute, I think a minute and 30 seconds um, for reels. And it used to be longer. I want to say it was like two two minutes plus for the reels. But now it's down to a minute and 30. 
And so I have to look at that, whether I'm capturing it for myself or someone else, then I know like, okay, I have to keep it within this time frame because it's, it's not gonna allow it to post. It's gonna chop it. So of course, Facebook stories, they're gonna automatically give you 30 seconds. Yeah, we ran into that because I think you're right. I, it, that that time frame was different because Biz chopped up a bunch and then I went to try to load them and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, eh, ain't happening. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, mm -hmm. how do you change this all the time? Like, some of them make it really hard too. Like, YouTube has been super hard to build a following on and just to get your name. So, like, until you have 100 subscribers, you know, you don't get your channel name. Mm -hmm. You know, all these little things. You think they would do a lot of these things to help you, but they don't. So, how long into it before you really started seeing the climbs on your different platforms? And were you more limited to just Instagram and Facebook, like, when those first came out? And, uh, like, when did, when did you see that jump? Like, how, how long into it was it before you saw those? I would say year or two, because when I started, I was mostly facing, um, I mean, focusing on IG and then Facebook, because with me working with brands, that's that's how it was. It's, IG really was the number one. It was rare to post to post on Facebook um, for business, even though um, I have a business account. But um, also one thing that I, I mean, I always had a LinkedIn account, but I wasn't using it. And until I started partnering uh, with different brands and then they were like, okay, can you post on LinkedIn? So even a lot of big um, brands like LinkedIn really wasn't, you know, the thing. It was when it first came out, it died down. Yeah. And so now with LinkedIn, so I said, okay, I got to get back on LinkedIn. If these brands are focusing on LinkedIn, then I need to focus on LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, so when did you get your first first brand when it how how far into it before you got your first brand who was it if you don't mind saying gosh and see my account was hacked so i'm trying to go um i don't to me the well hmm i want to say i'm trying to think was it l'oreal paris or finney uh finney beauty um but to me the biggest one um uh, for me personally that paid the most <laughs> <laughs> and was big that was history channel because that blew me away because i grew up watching history channel and then google because i work when i work with google i worked on a long contract with google so i worked with google about six months uh when google came out with their um their google web stories and still a lot of people don't even know about the google web stories and they typically uh, show up if you google and that was one thing i definitely wanted to um coach people on because when Google came out with the web story they only chose 50 people across the country they had two people in Texas and I was one of those persons that's awesome and so we learned how to do the web stories um, with Google we were we worked directly with the Google staff the text and um, I'm not gonna lie it was tedious but I mean we all learned I learned so now that's something I think uh, a lot of business, because I say, you know about the Google web stories? And most businesses say no. And most people, when they look at the brands like CNN and all those other people, it, it makes people, I don't know want to say kind of fearful that they cannot produce content on that level. But everyone should be, um, should be on these different platforms, because that's one thing too, like I said, looking at other people, 
looking at big brands or other people, what they're creating, that shouldn't make you timid. Just stay in your lane and create quality content. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I did not know about Google Reels. Mm-hmm. The web stories, yep. That's Google web stories. Mm-hmm. So you learn something new every <laughs> single day. Every day. What... uh. What was the moment, like, because I, I, know, I know I've had a couple of those. I just had one recently. Do you remember when you, like, first saw those numbers jump, though? Like, when you first got that big boost? Like, I mean, I know you lost the one account, but, you know, you, you're, you're chumming along, you know, with, like, three, 4,000 people following you, and then all of a sudden it just starts escalating. I've watched it happen with several of my friends that, once it hits a certain point, what was that point for you? And do you remember what that was like and where it, where it jumped for you? Mm-hmm. Was it a single post or was it a, you know, a single reel that, like, all of a sudden you were like, man, lightning struck. I, I've got it now. Like, I think I'm figuring this out. I, I truly don't think I ever or, like, even still that I've got a point where I have it figure out, figured out because I'm always looking at ways to perfect uh, what I do. I know it for me, it was around 50,000 something followers. If for someone that's pursuing, whether you want to be an influencer or you want to get noticed by brands, some people talk to me and they say, hey, Leisha, I don't want to be an influencer, but I want to partner with a brand. Honestly, brands, they're going to look at your, your reach, how many followers. And even once my account was hacked and went down, it didn't matter that I partner with these brands, they still gonna look at the reach. So you have to build up your platform and that's just on the influencing side. If you're, if you're getting paid, that's, that's your way of life. But you definitely, I mean, you can, if you wanna get paid, <laughs> you have to build up your reach and your content has to be great. And for me, I know it was around 50,000 some followers. That's just mind blowing. <laughs> So we, we, we got 3,800 video views on, a, on, a, on one, and I, I was losing my mind over here. But everybody was speaking in French. It was absolutely insane. I had no idea what they were saying. The dude you the met earlier. Did, but, yeah. He has a huge following in France, and everybody from France everybody. stayed up to like 3 in the morning yeah, to two, watch him. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. It blew up like, wow. But they, I think people in France talk more trash than we do over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. was talking they would, straight trash. Like, it would be like one guy would post the same thing like ten times, and then the next guy would, and they were like, you know, all the, you're watching the emojis. That's like the only thing you could understand. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally grabbing the laptop, showing him. I'm like, do you want to say what's going on here? And he's like, no. These are drunk people at two, three in the morning in France that are talking trash. Mm-hmm. Don't engage in this. And I'm like, but it was okay, a lot well, of them. It's good to know. But it was I mean, a lot of them. It was a lot, lot of them. I mean, like it was just our chat had never been scrolling like that while we're just sitting here. We I mean, signed was, off. They were still going. I was like, hey, y'all yeah, still talking? it was like, insane. Okay. The next morning they were still talking trash. Like now, when I go back and check it on the episode, there's still 10, 20 new comments of. Baptiste, blah, 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 in French. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. And I'm not going to sit here and translate all this. So is there anybody that you want to work with that you've been eyeballing and hoping that, 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 I don't know if you reached out to them or you're hoping you get that inbox from somebody 
bigger than what I mean. You've done every name that you said is not small. So, mm-hmm. are there some other bars you want to raise, levels you want to reach, boxes you want to check as far as brands that you work with? Um, definitely. I I mean, I know off my head, Maybelline. I wear a lot of their products, but for me, um, sometimes I tag some of the brands that I want to work with. There's not a lot off off my head. Um, I know Maybelline is one of them. Um, Cover, Cover Girl, those are, and that's in the beauty sector. I know um, one thing that I really want to get into is um, airlines and mm. hotels. I have partner. I partner with Radisson. She wants to travel. <laughs> She's working on that travel <laughs> angle. I know where you're going. That was my next question was the traveling part, but you're already covering it right there. Uh, with me traveling, um, yeah. I've had offers to to go to different states, New York, and this was recently, and um, international like, passport stamping. That's what I mean. You know, yeah, I mean, because I mean, L'Oreal Paris, they're in Paris. That's true. And but for me, one thing was important for me. I would say um, around COVID, and one thing I started last year, because most of the brands I work with, they're nationally or they're internationally. So it was important for me to work with brands locally. So I strategically said that I want to work with brands in Dallas, um, DFW, mm. Houston, and Austin. And that was one thing I showed Tony. That's the importance of hashtag research. So you, as soon as I start using the um, high number of um, hashtags for Houston, it was less than a week. I had some reach out, someone reach out to Houston. So for, uh, for me now, too, it's important for me, I mean, because Texas really is the biggest state, it's a self-sustaining state, mm-hmm. and it was important for me, for people to know me here in Texas um, versus people just knowing me everywhere else. Gotcha. So, yeah, so that's, I've been partnering with a lot of um, businesses, uh, no matter what they, what they do, I've been partnering with different people and um, all places. So Austin was the last place I I went, and I still have people that want to partner in Houston and Austin. So I usually wait until I get a certain number of partnerships instead of, you know, making back and forth trips. And then that's when, you know, I'll go and partner. Well, the cool thing about Texas, too, a lot of major companies are moving their headquarters here Mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So you have a whole plethora of things to choose from because they're all coming here. So it makes, yeah, it makes sense. So where are the top, like, five places you want to travel? Um, well, for me, I do, um, I would say New York, because that, I mean, New York um, is a fashion capital. It's a beauty capital. I, um, New, New York, I really haven't thought much about um, overseas uh, yet, Besides, I mean, because, I mean, I've worked with L'Oreal Paris, and I've also worked with big brands that's, that's in Australia. And I do want to more, I would say, New York, California, kind of. But I would say New York would be the number one uh, for me in, this, in the States. So I'm going I'm to I'm tell myself here, because my wife's had me watching all these, like, series with her a lot of times. <laughs> I feel like you're going to end up pulling an Emily in Paris. You know, really? You're, oh, that's you're my get, show. I love oh, it. I love man, Emily in I've Paris. I've that. I think I've seen that at least twice all the way through. Right? She watched that stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I could see the, that, like, that kind of transition for you. Like, you're going to end up 
in Paris doing one of these like major shows or something. And I then, receive it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Don't forget us little people back here. <laughs> yeah. I'll give y'all a shout out. She's like, bye, <laughs> Tony. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, um, I definitely want to um, get into, I mean, traveling. But for me, everything's um, strategic. Everything's intentional. Uh, what I do. And um, even when I think about, like I said, it, a lot goes back to um, image and how I partner locally, but with national brands, um, Decalage. I went in, you know, it was how I carried myself. And then while I was there actually having a service, they said, hey, you're an influencer. Would you, would you um, be an influencer for our brand? And that was me being local. So a lot of it, which I always um, say to people, your image have to be on point and you have to carry yourself at a certain level if you want to, I say, work with the big. If you don't want to be mediocre, then, you know, if you want to be mediocre, you can just go about. But when you want to, you want to prosper, you want to work with big people, your image has to always be on point. Now, do you mentor? Some people, I mean, because it's work. I mean, you know that as a creator, yeah. it's work. So a lot of people, when you break it down, what you have to do, being an influencer, dealing with photography, a lot of people that have come to me, they fade it off. And so, I mean, I, to me, I think that's one of the big things to me for, to help people. But a lot of people, they don't want to deal with, you know, with the work that comes behind being a photographer, being an influencer, being a creator, because if, if you're truly that and that's what you are, it takes work. It's a lot of work. I mean, I've stayed up to 2 o'clock in the morning. So really, it can be a tedious process, definitely doing photography. Because like um, Busy said, you're just in the hues, you're just in the clarity, <laughs> everything. If, you know, you can take a picture, the sky blues, take the picture comes out, the sky's white. So there's certain things that you have to do, and it's work. So I think COVID killed that for everybody. Go ahead, yeah, Grace, you feel yeah. like a lot of these people that have done that, like they were just thinking, oh, we're going to get this influencer, teach me these few things, and I'm going to do it. But when they, when they saw how much work really went into, that's where the big fall off is. And that's where I was going. When everybody COVID, everybody quitting, well, they didn't purposely quit their jobs. But yeah. because of all of a sudden this big splash of online and influences and things like that, and now everybody, we're out of COVID, whatever, but now everybody thinks they can just quit their job and I'm going to create a YouTube channel and I'm good. It's like, <laughs> even with what we do here, we see yeah. that it is just not instantaneous. No, you no, have no. to put in the work. For, right. for sure. And I think a lot of people said too, I've watched a lot of people's and a lot of friends' podcasts and stuff, and they think they can go out and order $1,000 worth of shit off of Amazon <laughs> and they start filming a little podcast in their kitchen or oh their goodness. living room or, you know, wherever. And then, it, I mean, you watch it and it's like, you watch it, here, here's week one, they're doing a damn podcast every day. And then next week two, they're doing three days. Then week three, they're doing two days. By the end of the month, they're they gone. might be doing one if they're still even doing it. And then they're like, oh, well, I don't have a million followers, so I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and I, I never looked at it like that. You know, I'm glad I went about it the way I did. And, you know, at first it was just something I really enjoyed doing. And then, and then I fell in love with it. So mm -hmm. I'm glad I went about it because I don't know how I would have felt 
if I had gone about it that way. You know well, what I mean? Well, you thought of this as an idea, and now you truly treat this as a, not a job, but this is a passion project that you do the work. Right, but I mean, if I hadn't met you and been a part of the other podcast, I don't know what that trajectory would have been or how I would have felt about it if I was literally trying to figure out and buy all this equipment, do all these things, and have the feel and have what we have already out the gate. Like, I feel like, you know, that put me leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of people, you know, doing it the way I did do it, where I have different learning curves, whereas they had... They had all the learning curves. They thought they were just going to throw some money at it like she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Hey, mentor me. And like, yeah, you know, I could talk to Brandon all day long and, you know, do the podcast with them or get invited onto other little podcasts. But until you just kind of like dive in and really surround yourself with some people that know what they're doing mm-hmm. and, and then continue to build from there, like it's not going to happen overnight. And it's But not you gonna, have to like, realize, too, where you're like, I'm, I'm what you just said. Mm-hmm. All this stuff in here. I bought it during COVID because right. I thought I was going to start a podcast, but I found out my strength was producing for others. So yeah. I take all this stuff and I do everybody else's podcast instead of me being in front of it. Mm-hmm. My strength is producing for everybody else mm-hmm. and I'm more comfortable being on this side right. versus that side. So you just kind of figure out where your lane is and other people never even thought about that. You know, influencers... You have an influencer, but then you have a team behind you. You have Otis taking photos. You have Tony being Tony, whatever he does. Mentoring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. But then, you know, and then I do the creation, also the behind the scenes. So it's like, that's one thing I love about living in Texas. This is one of the places I've never in my life experienced the networking yeah. to the extent that it is. Like when I first met Tony, mm-hmm. I was taking photos at an event and he was there and mm-hmm. just gone from there to, so to say the amount of people that you knew at first versus what you know now, three months can change your whole life in your Rolodex or whatever you want to call it because this place, people actually do get together to create things and push each other forward. No different than you and I, Garrett. Yeah, no, and I think that's important, and that's what I want everybody to kind of see and get from this if they haven't already. I mean, Elise has talked about how she had family and friends telling her, hey, you're really good at this, like, and you should try this, and you should start tweaking this. And she just dove in and started educating herself, getting another degree or two, I think, and five, three. Well, she probably already had two or three, so I'm going to dove off into the other ones. But, you know, she dove off and started self-educating, surround herself with the people. And when you're genuine and you and you put your passion behind it and you start doing that, other people see that. Because, like, one of the number one questions I get asked all the time, how do you get some of these people on your guests? I mean, I'll use Tony as an example. Like, how do you know Tony? How did you, you know, Tony's a Super Bowl winning NFL player, blah, 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 has his own financial company. How did you get him to do your podcast? Because at the time, my podcast was, what, three, four episodes in? And they're like, why did he do that? I said, well, I personally think he saw what I was doing. We became friends. We started talking. I was supporting his stuff. I go to Tony's events. Mm-hmm. And there's mutual gain there. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't asking Tony for more than his time. And I was giving him some of my time and networking with him. So mm-hmm. people just taking that leap of faith, you know, that Put a plan together yeah, that and part. take that leap of faith and then work on the education part because it's going to come along. You're going to meet people along the way that are going to want to be involved. They're going to want to help you. They're going to want to 
they're going to want to mentor you in a way of participation. Mm-hmm. It's not, I think a lot of people get caught up of like, I have to have a mentor to show me and hold my hand. It's not always a mentor that holds your hand and does this. Sometimes it's a mentor of, hey, I'm going to throw you a bone. Like, let's do this. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the show with you and mm-hmm. let's talk. Let's, let's, let's build this up. And then, you mm-hmm. know, we can, we can circle back around and help each other grow because that's, that's going to feed multiple things. Right. And, and being involved like that. So I think a lot of people get caught up. Of, I have to have a plan. Like, this wasn't what you started out doing. Like, you didn't go to college and have this career path of, I'm going to be an influencer. No. I didn't have the <laughs> career path and, you know, I'm going to be a podcaster. You know, I still have my day job. Mm-hmm. You have a day job. Like, but you've made this your full-time job and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've, you, you, progress, you progress through these things. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important for people to, especially some of the younger people that watch this, you don't have to have this perfect plan that is all lined out. Like, you, you don't have to know, you know, I hear people get caught up on these keywords like, what's your purpose? What's your passion? Sometimes they get these things completely confused mm-hmm. and mixed up, and they think they're either the same or they don't know what either one of them is. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to just, like, wake up one day and go, oh, I found my passion. I know what I'm going to do. Like, I think that happens for very few people. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more people putting themselves out there, surrounding themselves with different environments, different people, and then stuff's going to start speaking to you. And then you're going to kind of, you'll start finding your way. But then at a certain point, you can't wait for a mentor or someone to hold your hand. You kind of got to take a leap of faith. And if that means starting out really small, start out really small. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you don't become Warren Buffett overnight, you know, like all of a sudden you're saving 10 bucks a month and you bought the one <laughs> stock that's going to make you a millionaire. No, you got to, you got to eat away at it in little mm-hmm. chunks, but it's just doing those little things and starting that process. That I think so important because as you guys have seen, neither one of us like had that like right out the gate. No. It's just one of those things that is, is that started unfolding in your life path, mm-hmm. you started pursuing and following it and taking whatever small steps there was to start achieving those things. But if you've, once you've found your thing, mm-hmm. then you master it. Yeah. Now you're furthering your education. Right. Same thing. Yeah. I thought I could take pictures, but when I went and got my degree in photography, I was like, it's different. Hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this. I didn't know. And that was even more, there Lighting was the thing I wanted to learn more than anything. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. But then when you see the history, the why, the technic- technicality, anything that you do, if it was construction and you yeah. learn it, if it's anything, once you find it, then master that skill set and take it further than you even thought about. And well, I think Elise is a perfect example of that. I mean, she, she kind of said, like, I don't follow other influencers, really. No. And, you know, for <laughs> all the reasons she gave. But... She didn't say I had to have this influencer's backing or I had to follow them. And she didn't like mold herself after, you know, Gary V. I'm just going to use that because that's mm-hmm. the easiest thing to mind. Same thing to me. It'd be like me just saying, like, I'm going to I'm just going to do what Joe Rogan did. Like, that's impossible. Like, I can't just become Joe Rogan overnight. Like, that would be awesome. But like, you <laughs> but know, Joe like, Rogan is doing Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan yep. does that's Joe Rogan. That's why he's like, Joe Rogan. And right? if you're trying to just complete mimic or copy somebody there's no authenticity. There's no realness. Like you got to find your own message and what you're bringing to the table. And that may not happen right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I didn't know starting out the gate what, I mean, I'm sure you kind of look at that with each project that comes along or each idea or creative spark you have. Mm -hmm. That's something new. It's not, you didn't set out today that like, I'm going to have this idea and I'm going to get cover girl to follow me. So I'm going to create this post. Mm -hmm. It's more, I had this, you know, idea of what I want to do and I'm going to just, you know, do my thing. And if that gets noticed and maybe I feel that this speaks to certain things. So I'm going to try to bring attention to that. Mm -hmm. But you know, you don't just wake up and like all of a sudden, like start having these things that just fall into place like that. It's like, you got to be creative and find your own little lane, Mm -hmm. but sometimes just doing it, like things are going to evolve. You know, I you know, first everybody's like, well, what, what's your show going to be focused on? Mm -hmm. Well, Right now, it's people's journeys, you know, and like Mm -hmm. that's that's getting tighter and tighter. And I think people can see that like we're really trying to educate people and let people understand the journeys and the processes, because these things apply to no matter what you're doing or what it is you find to be your passion or path. Mm -hmm. You can start doing those things and implementing these little things like that we've been talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. It hasn't you know, we don't just talk about bourbon or tequila or cigars you know, I've had a, a variety of guests. It, it's we've had everything from professional bar fighters to NFL superstars to influencers <laughs> to act- yeah. everybody has been pressers on there. To, Yeah, professional bench pressers. Yeah, I mean, bourbon guys. I mean, you name it, IT guys. I mean, everybody has it. But I think when you start seeing the commonalities between all of these people, the commonality is... They, they started putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. They put themselves in different environments and they started taking small steps to pursue whatever passion or wherever their heart led them in those moments. Mm-hmm. And they didn't just sit idle. They started taking even baby steps to accomplish those things. Yes, and I definitely what you said about the networking, I definitely know that is very important. And one thing we always talk about, we talk about is connecting with the right people, quality people. And when you connect with quality people, then like you said, with, with you and Tony, or just say me and Otis, how, how can we leverage? How can we be beneficial to each other? So when I work with um, Otis, sometimes we just shoot. I mean, because for me personally, I don't want to get, um, I don't want to lose my passion for just, um, fashion or photography I don't want to just be brands because a lot of times with me working with brands they can be demanding but one thing too with Otis I look at how can I help him to give him exposure so Otis pretty much every um, brand uh, partnership that I that Otis has been on they've reposted Otis's content and they've you know tagged him so it's very beneficial even though he does my content he's still getting exposure from these top brands so I'm you know I always look at for me personally how can I help someone that's helping me that support me that sees my vision find make it um have I don't don't believe in making connections I think they should happen organically but make sure that they're quality um quality connections and I definitely know that's this very um it's very important well and we've had this conversation a couple times with different people but you can participate without contributing. Mm -hmm. So like you and Otis could participate in this, but it doesn't mean you're contributing to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're making an effort to contribute. So I think 
when you're all when you're going for the ask, whatever the ask is, make sure you're giving as well. You know, you're you're contributing in one way or the other, whether it's your time, mm-hmm. your influence, your network, your connections. You have something to offer, but you got to figure out what that is because people aren't. I mean, it's not always money. I think a lot of people think you got to have money, or you you're only going to get that person if you can pay them. Well. Payment can be a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Payment can be your time. Payment could be a connection, an introduction, a mm-hmm. friendship. It could be, you know, a, a lot of different things. But I think a lot of people lose sight of not, not providing any contribution when they're just participating with something. Right. And I definitely uh, believe whatever you do, if you're, if you're intentional, you're professional, you're consistent, like you said, other people will see that. And that was one thing. Um, and my, when I want to say before that, like you said, um, you know, take that leap of faith. You, you can't be timid. If you want big, you can't be timid. And I actually don't think I was really, I don't know if I was at 50,000 just to say for Radisson, I never worked with them. So I, I said, why, why not? And I said, okay, I'm a, email them, um, send them my media kit. They email me back the next day and said, hey. And so a lot of people, they get timid when they look at um, certain people they want to work with. Um, when I connected with Tony, I mean, we leveraged each other. And now, I mean, because the connections, I've had more, I've had different clients for styling, for social media. And that's because I had a, uh, um, quality connection that I could leverage. So a lot of people, you have to look at who am I connecting with? Are they going to be beneficial, and how can I help them? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's the time to ask you the big question that we end every show with. Now we'll see how prepared you are. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so this can literally be anything. Every person that's been on this show has said something completely different but could correlate in some way, shape, or form. It's always been very, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. So we call this part My Two Cents. Hmm. So My Two Cents is literally your two cents that you want to share with the audience. It could okay. be something you were inspired by by the show, something you've been weighing on you, something you just want to say, something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be any of these things that you want to go with. But you get a you get the mic just to you <laughs> to give us your two cents. Okay, I'm good. So I start. Yep, it's all you. Okay, Mike's so, yours. <laughs> so my two cents would be for just anybody in general, not trying to be an influencer. A lot of people see me and they talk about what I'm wearing, different things. But I'm very intentional about my purchases. I research. I don't. Um, I'm not a spur of the moment person. And uh, one thing we always talk about is instant gratification. So I definitely believe that people should should not, um, I guess it's easier said than done, to, it's easier said than done to look at big brands and to get caught up in what everyone's doing because you still can look great, you can be awesome, but uh, wait. I've worked in department stores and earlier that those things are going to go down. And for me, uh, one of the things I want to talk about fashion, you know, cars, what they go to, is it 50%? 
um, of depreciation. Well, anything you buy that's a purse, a wallet, anything pertaining to fashion, as soon as you buy it, it depreciates at 30%. So my thing is do your research. Don't just go out and buy clothing or whatever it is because you can wait. And instead of having it, and one thing I, I got and I was uh, telling Tony about, you know, people think about appreciation over, depreci- um, over depreciation. And one thing you have to look at, um, even for the financial side, even for the personal, hey, wait. I mean, yes, some people might have millions or whatever to do it. But if you wait and you look at what you're purchasing, you would actually have more wardrobe or whatever whatever it is you're doing but um just look at the depreciation there's different places i use thread up i buy wholesale but everything i do is intentional i don't just buy things on a spur on a whim so i research everything that i i purchase and i buy and so that's my two cents look at um look at your what you're purchasing and you don't have to spend a lot of money to look great I always tell people confidence is the foundation of anything. And to me, I feel like that's what makes me present myself with what I wear because I'm confident. I don't think about what no one wears. I go with what I feel. I go with with the flow. And I don't look at magazines. I never look at magazines. I don't look online. I don't keep up with trends. I keep up with how Elisha feels. Well, that's awesome, and it ain't held you back. I mean, you know, you do you, and, I mean, it's working for you. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm thank so you glad you did me. this. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. And until next time, we hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we'll see you again next week. Peace, everybody. Peace.